0: For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And you remember what Jesus said to uh, the disciple, if you want to know what the Father is like, then look at me. Uh, We sometimes, especially when we come to a difficult providence, we have this notion that God is sometimes hard, uh, that he is sometimes, uh, it seems unreasonable. And yet Christ our Savior is the exact impression of the Father, loving and kind and merciful. And we have to live with the recognition that we live in a world that has fallen, a world that is broken, a world where Christ said to us, in this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He goes on to talk about that Christ created all things, whether it is things in heaven Things on earth, things that are visible, invisible, thrones, or dominions, and authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And so that the entirety of all that exists was created through the Lord Jesus Christ, and not only was it created through him, it was for him. So that all things ultimately are going to bring glory to Christ. The tragedies, the blessings... All things that we go through in this world ultimately are going to bring glory to Christ. And that means as we live our lives today, we are to live them in such a way as to glorify God. You remember when um, uh, Christ said <clears throat> to Thomas, <clears throat> because you've seen because I've condescended to offer my hands and my side to you, to touch, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. And we recognize there are times in our own lives when perhaps our belief is like the man who said to Jesus, help me in my unbelief. Uh, that we plead to God to help us strong in the faith and to walk firmly in the faith because of how great our God is and how great our Savior is. All things were made through him and for his good pleasure. And it says he was before all things, uh, that before time was, there was Christ, the second person of the Godhead, in fellowship with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. And he is the head of the church how well it would serve us to remember that and understand that as we conduct ourselves in the congregation of Christ, we are to do so with the recognition that Christ is the head of the church. We're not. Christ is the head of the church in all decisions. All conduct, everything that we do in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be done recognizing that he is the head of the church and that we are to do all things to please him and to bring honor to him as the head of the church. He says again, he is the firstborn from the dead. What does this mean? It means that as Christ came out of the grave, others will come as well. You remember in the book of Matthew... When we read about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it said that many of the saints came out of the grave after the resurrection and that they went into the city and they were seen by many. Uh, this, the power of God, the power of Christ in bringing back from the dead those who had died and those who were known coming out of their graves by the power of the resurrected Savior and going into the city. The firstborn of all creation, the firstborn of the dead, that he may have preeminence in all things, that Christ is the head of all things and all glory goes to him and he is at the right hand of God, we read in the scriptures. Uh, he sits at the right hand of the Lord after He had purged our sins, we read in the book of Hebrews. After He had accomplished that great redemption that only He could accomplish. He ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So He makes intercession for sinful people. He makes intercession for us who fail again and again. Why is it? Why is it that there aren't more people who worship on Sunday evenings? Why? Because they don't care enough to be here. That's where I stand. Nobody is obligated to be working right now. They're watching football games. I'm sorry if I come across harsh, but I know good and well a lot of people aren't here because they simply choose not to be. Not because they can't be. Because they choose not to be. And it grieves me. It grieves me greatly. When we read about this Christ of ours, who is the head of the church, and read about he likes to be likes to be worshipped by his people, and his people don't do that. It is grievous. It is grievous to me that that is the case. In him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. What did it cost us? What did it cost Christ for us to be here on Sunday evening to worship God, to sing praises to God and knowing that he accepts our worship? What did it cost Jesus it cost him his life. And I remember, I said I think it was this morning uh, when we were here. Uh, the dread that Jesus had as he faced his own death. Uh, Stephen faced it bravely. We said this. I know I talked about this this morning. Socrates faced it with a calmness as he drank the hemlock. Many others have faced it with great boldness. But there was Christ. Sweating like great drops of blood were falling down from him. Why? Because he knew he was about to go to the cross. And that going to the cross making peace for us. By his life. By his death. By his agony on the cross of Calvary. That's who we worship this evening. That's who beckons us to come and assemble together on the Lord's day. To worship him. Who is our redeemer. And you who once, he says here... Uh, alienated and hostile in your mind, doing evil deeds. That's how we were before we were converted. We had no interest in the things of Christ, no interest in the things of God. Our interests were our own interest. Our desires were our own desires. Our passions were passions that were contrary uh, to the Lord. And here he says that we were once hostile doing evil deeds, but now we are not. Why? We've been reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. What a blessing that is to us. It should be as you stand before God and, you know, because of Christ, he sees you as holy and blameless. Because of Jesus, this same Jesus is in control when that action occurred. And the devastation that happened and the horror that has happened, this same Jesus was on the throne when that event took place. The same loving and merciful God was ruling when that event took place. A beautiful, beautiful young people that I love dearly. And yet here we hear this news, and I love his family, I love his parents, how devastating to his parents this must be. And yet we are no longer alienated, we are no longer hostile to God because of the work of Jesus Christ. And he stands before us, between us and the Father, and he declares that we are his, and therefore we are holy, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And so we're not saying here that we have no sin. We're not saying here that we're free from guilt. Because if we stood before a common judge, if we stood before a, a judge who did not look at us through the eyes of Christ, he would say that we're guilty. And rightly so, we're guilty. We don't love our wives like we're supposed to. We're not always good parents as we are called to be. We are not good friends. We don't love Christ like we're supposed to. We don't take seriously uh, the rebellion in our own hearts like we should. We find ourselves excusing our lawlessness, and perhaps even cloaking it under the guise of well, what's the right thing to do. And yet, in the Lord Jesus Christ, if we come in before our God in Him in faith. He declares us not guilty, but notice this: if, indeed, you continue in the faith, if indeed, you continue to trust. And oh, what does that mean? I grew up uh, in a wonderful church, Bay Street Presbyterian Church. I loved my pastor. And I grew up with some guys that people would call thugs today. They were rough boys. They were rough old fellows. They liked to fight. And they usually won their fights. I'm glad I was friends with them. But now they're no longer at church ever. They're not there. So many people that were young people that were at Bay Street when I was growing up there, so many of them have just fallen off the face of the earth, And they quit coming to worship long before adulthood. They just quit showing up. And so that warning is there. If indeed you continue in the faith, continue to trust, continue to be steadfast. And that means in happy times and in difficult times. That means occasions of joy. And occasions of sadness as well, if indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast. What should our stability be? What should our steadfastness be? It should be in this that our God is holy and wise and he makes no mistakes. He's sovereign over all things. But he doesn't make mistakes. I again recommend to you highly chapter 10 of Knowing God by J.I. Packer. The title of that is God's Wisdom in Ours. And Packer said in that chapter, there are things that happen to us in this life that we'll never understand why they happen. They don't make sense to us. We somehow can't make them congruent with a loving, gracious, sovereign God with the events that took place that we deal with, with the events that took place in the life of Timothy and his wife. These things make no sense. And Packer says that if we strive to try to understand these things, we will make ourselves crazy and we don't see the big picture. Illustration he uses is great. Yorkshire Station, I guess that's someplace in London. I don't know. Obviously, he likes trains. And he said this, if you stand out on the platform... You can see the train coming down the track. You can see it as visible there. He said but if you go into the switch house, which obviously he was allowed to go in there, and it's got these lights on this big board. And all over this big board are all these lights, and it shows where every train is and wherever those trains are moving. He said that God sees the big picture, and we don't. We're very limited in what we see and what we understand. We know very, very little we are but of yesterday. But our God, who is sovereign, knows all things. And so as we read about the Savior, as we read about this firstborn of the dead, who guarantees our own resurrection, who reconciled us to God, we keep that in mind, that he is our God and steadfast in our faith. We can be assured that we will be with him in glory. Listen to this. Christianity falls, your Christianity, your faith falls far short if it goes no further than simply dying and going to heaven. We have to go to the consummation with the return of the Lord Jesus Christ when the dead in Christ will be raised. That's where we have to go. Because, and, it, and Packer said this in, his, in the 10th chapter, that there seems at times that there's no benign God ruling, ruling over all things. The death of a child. My parents lost a baby. Could not understand that until I had children. My mother carried Mark nine months. The day before he was born, there was a strong heartbeat. The day he was born, he was dead. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. That's what Packard talks about. And that's what he's meaning. At times, it seems as if there's no benign God ruling over the universe, and yet we go back again and again and again to the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, and the ascension of Christ. This is the little Creator hymn taught us this morning, as we looked at uh, the uh, First Peter and the end of chapter three, and that one day. These things won't make any difference to us. What does Paul say? I am convinced that our present sufferings don't compare to the glory that shall be revealed in us in Romans. I'm convinced, he says, that all the miseries that we have today and all the difficulties that we have today, like somebody going in and shooting someone in a worship service, all of those things, he says, pelt to insignificance in the reality of the glory that is going to be revealed in us? Does your faith take you to that day, to the resurrection? To that day when we'll come out of the grave whole and glorified? Kathy will admit that she's never had cancer in her life. Ever. Glorified. It'll be as if I never had uh, all the difficulties I had with my lungs, glorified. But the best thing is not to be that she never had cancer or that I never had lung problems. It's that sin will never be plaguing us again, will never be tempted, will never fall into temptation, will never sin against our God. That's the great work of our Savior. Again, if you listen to this, The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, were by him, by Christ. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, kingdoms, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him to bring him glory. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. We are to stand firm in the promises of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Read Colossians. I'm not going to preach what I had written. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O God, for the promises they are ours in Jesus We pray your special blessings upon the Carlson family, upon Tim and Leanne. We ask you to give wisdom to the doctors that treat uh, Timothy. Uh, We pray, O God, that they would do the best possible thing, for there probably will be brain swelling. If they need to do a craniotomy, whatever they need to do, whatever drugs they need to administer, we pray that you would give them the right wisdom and the guidance that they may do the best possible thing for him. We pray for his complete healing. We pray that there would be no after-effects of this, that he might be whole. And our God, we know that we must say, as Charles spoke earlier, your will be done. And if there is, O Lord, repercussions, if there is any type of residual effect, we pray for that grace, O God, and strength that comes to us from above. To be with them, that we may love on them and assure them of our love and assure them of your love. But our desire, O oh Lord, is they both be made complete and whole. We ask to preserve the life in Christ's name, amen.